This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, offering members-only discounts that can save you thousands of dollars a year. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. A breathtaking new way to look at Niagara Falls. And summer festivals are back in swing for the first time since the pandemic, including the National Bank Open Tennis Tournament. We'll talk about tennis and its economic impact. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New research has found no support for another one of the purported benefits of vitamin D supplements. Researchers report that vitamin D pills taken with or without calcium have no effect on bone fracture rates. The results in the New England Journal of Medicine found no lower risk of fractures than placebo among generally healthy midlife and older adults and that applied in the 25% of participants taking calcium supplements, people with osteoporosis, or those whose blood tests deemed them vitamin D deficient. It's a fairly new term. Medical gaslighting refers to the experience of having your concerns dismissed by a medical provider, and it can happen to anyone. It disproportionately affects women, seniors, people of color, and the LGBTQ community. Examples include being continually interrupted by your doctor, having your concerns minimized or downplayed, and not being given access to lab work and imaging to confirm a diagnosis. But there are some tips. Keep detailed notes and records, keep asking questions, bring a support person, and focus on your most pressing issue. If you walk around in your bathing suit in the Italian tourist town of Sorrento, it'll cost you. It's now illegal to walk around without a shirt or in a bathing suit, thanks to a new edict from its mayor who's announced that underdressed residents and visitors in the town city centre, not far from the beach, will be slapped with fines ranging from $30 to $650 Canadian. He cited concerns over, quote, indecent behavior and quality of life. Sorrento is a popular destination just south of Naples on Italy's Amalfi Coast, making it a hotspot for beachgoers and boaters. Still with penalties for tourists, anyone wanting to summit Europe's tallest peak, Mont Blanc, may soon have to put up a 15,000 euro or nearly $20,000 Canadian deposit to cover possible rescue and funeral costs. The plan was announced by a local mayor fed up with the so-called contempt of risk-taking climbers. Jean-Marc Payex, mayor of Saint-Gervais-les-Bains, a town on the French side, says too many unqualified climbers are gambling with their lives on the mountain, where recent hot weather has made conditions more treacherous. The deposit would cover the average cost of a rescue and funeral. 
Henri Cartier-Bresson, who was considered the father of street photography and captured many of the 20th century's biggest events, has died at his home in France. He was 95. His photos captured the Spanish Civil War, the German occupation of France, the Chinese Revolution, the French student uprisings of 1968, and more. Considered a pioneer in photojournalism, his photographs, later collected in numerous books, were always considered remarkable for their empathy. He later established the photo agency Magnum. In his later years, he abandoned photography to draw and liked to say that his approach to life had been shaped by Buddhism. I'm Libby Zneimer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's a breathtaking new way to see one of the natural wonders of the world. Niagara Park's power station just opened its new attraction, the tunnel. You start with a look at a century-old power station before descending 180 feet beneath the main generating floor. The tunnel takes you along the same path traveled by water and leads you to a viewing platform with a spectacular new perspective. I got a tour from Kim Viney, Niagara Park's VP of Business Development. So these doors are the original doors, and they weigh about 3,500 pounds each. So all copper, and then these wickets were where uh, people would come and actually pay their post-electricity bills. <laughs> so, and when was that? Uh, so this plant operated between 1905 and 2006. So we've kept as much of the original infrastructure as we could possibly maintain. What's that? That is called an alternator. So there's 11 of these in the station. So what happens is, and, and we can look at the model here. So water comes from the Niagara River. It comes into what's called the Four Bay area. And it's essentially a big collection pool. And then there are 11 huge penstocks. And those are 10 foot tall, basically water tunnels. And each of those goes down to a turbine spins the turbine and then the water is returned to the Niagara River in the tunnel that we will soon be taking a journey through as well. So 11 of these alternators were what actually created power here in the power station and then power was distributed both down to Fort Erie over to Buffalo and in the immediate uh, factories here in Niagara. These are large round blue things yeah. with holes made of? Uh, so inside are, um, is all of the components needed to create magnetism and it's through the magnetism that and the energy was created that then went to the distribution lines and out to the world. These weigh about 45,000 pounds each so when they had to do maintenance these actually came apart and these huge cranes like you see up top they would wheel that crane over and lift this entire cab up in order to do maintenance inside. Eight of Tesla's patents, we believe, were used to create uh, the operations inside this power station. Nikola Tesla. Oh, the original. Original. The original <laughs> electricity man. Yes. So, uh, you know, this basically represents the start of alternating current. And, uh, you know, south of the, on the other side of the river, there was a big battle about AC versus DC. Alternating current went out, and power stations like this were built at the turn of the century. The last century. The last century, correct. It took quite a while to figure out what we could possibly make of this, 
and uh, to come up with what we thought was uh, be a great plan to enhance tourism for Niagara Falls. Uh, so. Three years ago, we started serious discussions, and through the assistance of um, the Ontario Finance Authority, we actually were able to secure a $25 million loan, which we now have to pay back, so I need to ring the cash registers. Um, and uh, so we started work, actually, about a week before COVID hit. Oh. And then we had a big decision to make. Do we keep going, or do we shut down the project? So we just felt it was such an important, it was going to be such an important catalyst to kickstart tourism again. We felt it was critical that we just keep going with it. So lots of challenges, as you can imagine, but we opened on time and on budget. So we're pretty proud. And how much was the budget? So, yeah, $25 million, um, And then we had uh, support from another sponsor. So we spent about another million on the brand new viewing platform that you'll see in a minute. What is really fun about this tunnel is that it's got this lovely curvature and you gradually start to see the light and literally the light at the end of the tunnel and you start to hear the magnificent roar of the falls and the anticipation just builds as you start to approach our brand new viewing platform out at the end. Yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yes. And you start to smell the falls and smell the river and... It just becomes a very, very sensual, sensory experience as you approach uh, what is going to be just a magnificent view when we get out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. You just, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can't describe it. You have to come and experience it yourself. And just the intimacy you feel with the power of the river and the falls right there, it's just undescribable. Oh, wow. We wanted to bring it out far enough that you could capture the full panoramic view of the full falls. Uh, so we weren't sure until we got out here how far we had to keep building. And we ended up building another five feet just to make sure that we got around that corner and got that fabulous view. I'm speechless. That's our intent. That's the, what we're hoping for when guests come down. Just a sense of awe and wonder and just... You, you feel the power of that water. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. That was Kim Viney, Niagara Park's Vice President of Business Development, showing me around the tunnel. I'm Libby Zneimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, tennis anyone? You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Brought to you by CARP, fighting to hold politicians accountable for better health care. Find out more at carp.ca. Canada's premier tennis event is fully back for the first time since 2019, and it comes as our country is establishing itself as a tennis powerhouse. I talked with Tennis Canada President and CEO Michael Downey about the upcoming National Bank Open. The last time was actually 2019 that we ran what we would call a normalized tournament. And back then it was called the Rogers Cup, and now it's called the National Bank Open. So we're just ecstatic that we're going to be able to host, uh, you know, 150,000 fans uh, with basically no health and safety restrictions, and people are going to be able to enjoy themselves and see world-class tennis. We actually think we can 
we can do better than what we did in 2019. And that's a great standard because that was the year that Bianca Andreescu actually won the final over Serena Williams. So we had a phenomenal main draw following, you know, the, the great six wins that, the Bianca piece together. And right now our sales team is saying we're trending ahead of, of what we did in 2019. Is that because we've got Bianca, we've got Layla in Montreal, we have uh, Felix and Denis Shapovalov? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple things going on here, Libby. I think one, yes, like in, in, in Montreal, you've got Dennis and Felix and everyone expects them to go deep, and each one of them is is capable of actually winning this tournament. And in Toronto, it's the same way. Like Bianca comes in as a defending champion, and one of six actually defending champions that will actually play next week. And Layla comes in. Uh, Layla Anna Fernandez comes in like 15th ranked in the world, so she is is a contender as well for the final and to win it. But I'd also just say I think there's something going on in uh, in Canada around the world about women's sport, and I think women's sport has just reached such a high level. It's been one of the beneficiaries through the COVID-19, and I think we're seeing some of the benefit of that as well. I think there's real enthusiasm, higher than normal, that we're going to have the best women tennis players in the world. You know, the top 50 in the world are going to be playing next week up at York University at Sobe Stadium. How do you think the pandemic boosted women's sport? Well, it wasn't the pandemic itself. I think it was just during the pandemic. I think we've just seen a trend. And we see it here in Canada with, you know, the Canadian women's soccer team winning the gold medal. Um, you know, the, the Canadian Olympic women's hockey team winning the gold medal. Um, w- w- you know, what was it last weekend? There were 80,000 fans at Wembley to watch England win the European Football Cup. Like 80,000 people. These aren't numbers that maybe women's sports saw 10 years ago, but they're not taken for granted anymore because I think the fans know the quality is there, the competitiveness is there. And in some ways, I think tennis led the charge. You know, it starts with Billie Jean King and what she helped create in the WTA. And I think there's other women's sports that are quickly playing catch-up. And we're seeing it just more women's sport on television now than we've ever seen before. You know, WNBA games are, you know, on TSN and Sportsnet at this point in time. And they may not have been there two, three years ago. So I just think in all the research I've seen, there's just growing interest in women's sport. And I think we're seeing we're seeing some benefit of that with the greatest women tennis players coming to Toronto next week. In terms of attendance of the the tennis tournament, how much of it do you think is basically pent up demand for festivals and, and things like that? You compare it to last year, we were able to stage this tournament last year, but with only limited fans, and they, they didn't have access to the site. So anyone that actually came last year was really contained just in the main stadium because we weren't allowed um, to actually let people walk around the 15 acres. So I think there is pent-up demand, not only for our tennis event, but probably other festivals that uh, uh, people in Ontario can go to and across the country. Do you have a sense of economic impact of the National Bank Open? When we combine the two, Toronto and Montreal, it's close to $100 million. 
that we've historically been able to forecast is the economic value. So um, that's the kind of numbers that we've done research on, and it's quite material, actually. And uh, and on top of that, you know, between the tournament in Toronto and Montreal, there's about 150 million people around the world that will actually tune in either through their TVs or streaming um, to watch part of the Toronto Montreal event. So it drives a, a very high global audience, which is really great for tourism because um, they will see a big Toronto sign on the court in Toronto and a big Montreal sign in Montreal. And that's, uh, you know, directly telling all those fans around the world that, hey, this is in Toronto, this is in Montreal. I noticed that you have some more events for families and communities. Is that the way that tournaments and festivals are going? We use our qualifying weekend in Toronto and Montreal, which is Saturday and Sunday coming up, where there's no ticket price. You can come free. And we kind of put on an awful lot of of, um, ancillary events for families and young kids. So we're trying to obviously appeal to a wider audience. And, um, you know, it's really, you know, you can take the subway up to York University. So, you know, for the cost of a few subway tokens, a whole family can actually come and, and spend quite a few hours enjoying themselves and watching qualifying action because there'll be tennis played on five, six courts uh, of young women who are trying to qualify for the main draw. And included in that is a bevy of young Canadians that are coming up the pipeline. And so for families that want to see some free entertainment this Saturday and Sunday, they can also see the future generation of Canadian talent. And it's it's very, very promising. Finally, uh, what do you have to say to people out there who are thinking about it? Why should they come up? Toronto is lucky that, that they have the world's best women coming from the WTA and the tennis side. They're going to see some phenomenal athletes. And they're also going to see some legends because we may not get to see Venus and Serena Williams ever again. And that is going to be very special that they're going to be playing on center court. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, Best of luck and congratulations. Michael Downey, thank you so much. Thank you, Libby. That was Michael Downey, President and CEO of Tennis Canada. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Snymer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.